You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the breakfast show at the voice of Islam with Imam Taqi Tanvir and myself, Walid Ahmed. The time is 3 minutes past 7. It's Friday, the 30th of December, 2022. We have once again a very packed program this morning on the breakfast show at the Voice of Islam. The uh, broadcast is an interactive one. It means that our listeners have the opportunity to call in if they want to and share their thoughts and views on any of the topics that we may be covering uh, this morning. Uh, you can also tweet us if you want and uh, share your views that way. Uh, our uh, telephone number is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and the Twitter handle is Voice of Islam UK. In a few minutes' time, we'll begin uh, the rundown of the weather uh, before going on to examine some of the news stories that are doing the rounds these days. Uh, we won't be spending too much time on each, uh, but uh, a few minutes to rattle through as many of them as possible during the first half hour. Uh, now, those familiar with the show will know that uh, we have two n- topics that uh, we tend to deal with in greater depth uh, during uh, much of the program, and uh, we try to choose these topics and make them as topical as possible. Uh, and the first of uh, our topics certainly fits that description. Uh, with the new year soon to be upon us, we are going to be looking at the subject of past reflections and New Year's resolutions and the title of the New Year, New Me Perspective. is something we picked up from uh, uh, two websites, medium.com and wsbt.com. Uh, we spoke earlier with uh, Dr. Erin Leonard uh, about this. Uh, she's a practicing psychotherapist and uh, we'll be sharing her thoughts uh, in uh, this part of the program, the program or the part between 7.30 and 8.15. This is when we'll be covering that uh, particular subject, so if you're interested in it, do make sure you remain uh, tuned in till then. Uh, moving on to the second main topic, again, a very topical one, if I may say so, in this season of goodwill. Uh, it's about kindness and how kindness can have unexpectedly positive consequences. Kindness can have unexpectedly uh, positive con- uh, consequences. So that's the topic we'll be addressing after 8.15. And we'll be sharing a clip of uh, our interview, or let me just correct myself, we won't be uh, um, sharing a clip. Rather, we'll be hoping to talk, to be talking to Lynn Misner, um, uh, about this. Uh, Lynn is the chief uh, executive and founder of Small Acts of Kindness with the particular aim of stemming loneliness and isolation in older people and those who are cold in their homes. So uh, that should be quite an interesting uh, conversation. We hope to be uh, speaking to us uh, around about uh, 8.15 or after 8.15. Um, so um, do please, if you're interested in that particular subject, uh, make sure that you're tuned in between 8.15 and 9 o'clock when we'll be covering that particular um, topic. So lots to do, lots to cover, and as always, we will have a review of the Islamic angle to all be discussed from our, or my boss uh, and leading imam, my senior, Imam Toki Dhanvir, um, and um, 
Uh, we can kick off with the weather, Imam Tuki, or Assalamualaikum warahmatullah. Uh, we hope that you know everyone is uh, having a great day, a great start to the day. Uh, yes, so let's start off uh, with the weather and the weather forecast for today. This morning, areas of heavy rain and persistent rain will sweep in from the west, and later in the afternoon, rain <laughs> will clear eastwards with some late bright spells possible towards dusk and a windy day. And the forecast for tonight uh, is that tonight it will become overcast with spells of locally heavy rain pushing up from the south towards dawn. The rain will largely clear away, but it will remain cloudy. So this is from uh, BBC Weather, and uh, this is the weather forecast uh, within London. Thanks very much. Um, so we now move on to discuss some of the news stories that are circulating. Uh, what's the main event that's taking place? Is it the Cardian um, Delta? Yeah, so so uh, the, the, the main uh, press release from Press Ahmadiyya is with regards to the annual con- convention which took place uh, just this weekend. And this press release is on the 26th of uh, of December 2022 um and uh, on on the and the re- press releases that on the 25th of December 2022 the world head of the MDM Muslim community the fifth caliph his holiness hazrat uh, samsur ahmadi concluded the annual convention of the MDM Muslim community in Qadian and uh, several african countries with within his inspirational address um so his holiness presided the concluding um session virtually uh, from uh, Masroor Hall in Islamabad in Tilford and more than 14500 people had uh, <coughs> had gathered at the at the Jalsa site in Qadian and the concluding session of uh, other african countries included the nations of Nigeria Ivory Coast Guinea-Bissau Guinea-Conakry Togo Burkina Faso Mali and Zimbabwe and beginning his address, His Holiness, he outlined that the first uh, Jalsa, first annual convention, it had officially uh, been held in Qadian in ni- 1891 um, and had just 75 attendees. And the following year, uh, 327 people had attended the Jalsa and outlining the bounties of Allah upon the Amdiya Muslim community. Uh, since His Holiness, he said that I quote that today the blessings of Allah are such that in several countries there are thousands who attend the Jalsa Salana. It is not a sign of the support of Allah the Almighty and proof of the fulfillment of the promises made by Allah the Almighty to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. It most certainly is if the eyes of those who make allegations and those who wish to turn away from the truth were not closed, this sign alone would be enough proof of the support of Allah the Almighty and the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. Um, it was a beautiful address mm-hmm. in which uh, His Holiness, he talked about the second condition of, of initiation. So, so Beth, when, when uh, within the Amdiya Muslim community, someone who joins the community, uh, it is done through the uh, initiation of of Beth, and uh, these are ten conditions where 
uh, one reads out. And the second condition, and I quote, which is that he, she shall keep away from falsehood, fornication, adultery, trespasses of the eye, uh, debauchery, uh, dissipation, cruelty, dishonesty, mischief, and rebellion, and that he, she will not permit himself or herself to be carried away by passions, however strong they might be. So this is the second condition of of initiation, uh, of birth, uh, the oath of allegiance. Mm-hmm. And uh, His Holiness, um, just on this one condition, His Holiness you know, spent uh, the, the whole sermon and uh, mm-hmm. uh, very beautifully had uh, and gone into in-depth detail of this. Uh, so I would encourage um, our listeners that y- you can read more on this on com, or you can also uh, listen more onto it onto the the sermon itself um, going on MTA uh, online on our YouTube channel where you can uh, listen to the sermon there. Um, I mean uh, that that itself you know is is amazing and one thing I've realised. Uh, Brother Walid, particularly mm. is that His Holiness, he gives a great significance to Qadian uh, Jalsa Salana. Uh, and I've seen His Holiness every year that uh, whenever there is the Jalsa Salana Qadian, it is always His Holiness who concludes uh, the sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and re- one of the reason being is that this is where it had initially started the founder of the Amdiya Muslim community. Um, um, peace be upon him the founder of the Amni Muslim community he was born in Qadian um, in 1835 and uh, this is where itself the community had started so it's a very small town uh, it's not even a city very very small town uh, it's uh, it, within a village uh, within Gurdaspur in, in Punjab um you know, Amritsar itself is not too far from it, but mm. to for someone who has been to Qadian, they will realize that to get to Qadian itself, um, it takes a very long distance from the from the airport itself, Amritsar Airport as well. It goes in to a small village. Um, however, you know, after the advent of the Promised Messiah itself, it's, it's you know you'll feel you'll see. Uh, all walks of life. There's so many people coming from all over the world to to visit this place. But uh, initially, at that time, uh, you know, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, himself, writes that uh, you know, uh, no one had uh, even known where where Kadian was. Mm. Um, mm. Remarkable, right? Um, was this a three-day event? Uh, yes, it's uh-huh. a three-day so event. It starts on Friday and concludes on Sunday, and right. And uh, this is an address that people. Uh, listen to all over the world. Yes, they're not uh, absolutely more than two hundred countries through MTA. Absolutely. Um, so it's a sharp contrast from the seventy-five who listened to the first Jalsa. Yes, absolutely. Because millions yeah. listening to in, the in eighteen ninety-one to mm. to what it is now. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. And and I mean, usually um, the attendees itself is a lot higher because. Um, it, because of you would get a lot of international visitors mm-hmm. uh, visiting the annual convention as well, but because of uh, COVID, um, mm. you know, I mean, although it did happen last year as well, it was on a smaller scale, right. um, and uh, this year as well, although 
neighboring countries and <clears throat> some mm-hmm. international countries did did mm-hmm. go there um mm-hmm. some representatives but it is normally done on even on a much bigger scale i see so that one event in 1891 has not uh, only given rise to so many people participating now but also given rise to similar events taking place in so many different countries every year Absolutely. and we have uh, that kind of convention here as well here in the uk as well. yes yeah. and uh, uh, attendances are more than 30000 to 40000 and and i mean the the promised messiah peace book one i mean he himself <coughs> uh, says that you know <coughs> how important it is mm. for the annual convention that you know this is a great uh, way of of actually <coughs> people getting together mm. and uh, you know that rejuvenation for islam is rekindled and that love for islam for allah the almighty is rekindled and uh, you know it's 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 a great way and even here in the uk you know there are very <coughs> a lot of external guests do attend it as well they you know they they love the atmosphere so mm. many people benefit from it so mm. i i think it's 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 a great way mm. of um, as the promised messiah peace be upon him mentioned that a great way to uh rejuvenate ourselves our spirituality mm-hmm. oh, very important thanks very much for that um on to um, other news a couple of things that caught my eye one was uh human chip to provide health benefits so this is um something to do with Elon Musk uh, Elon Musk of Twitter fame is known for some uh, is known for some extent uh, eccentric uh, projects and uh, one of these is involvement with Neuralink in developing chips that can be embedded in the human skull with fine wires that fan up in the brain carrying some 1024 electrodes there is potential for this contraption to monitor brain activity and possibly enhance it and there is much concern about this line of research uh, from the American authorities um, who have yet to fully allow experiments with this technology to be tested in humans however supporters of neuralink their spokesman believes that this could help better study and treat severe neurological conditions such as parkinsons and alzheimers uh, professor andrew hires of the company said that the application could be also uh, permit or uh, facilitate the control of robotic processes with their minds uh, the first application he said you can imagine is better con- better mental control for a robotic arm for someone who's paralyzed it could he said uh, be explained potentially reproduce the uh, sensation of touch allowing the patient to exert finer motor control over a prosthetic limb and as part of his announcement the company said his chips first commercial application could be to help quadriplegic people um who have partial or full paralysis and all, on all uh, four limbs um, and uh, there's a quote that they have uh, released the first indication this device is intended for us uh, the the first indication this 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 device is intended for is to help quadriplegics regain their digital freedom by allowing users to interact with their computers or phones in a high bandwidth and naturalistic way 
uh, the funds from rounds from the round would be used to take Neuralink's first product to market and accelerate the research and development for future products. So there's much that can be delivered from this te- technology, it seems, but the concerns of the authorities and other official agencies are well-founded. Progress of others uh, potentially having the capacity to control another human being uh, through this chip, uh, which is uh, what is certainly on the cards, is clearly possible and um, has to be taken seriously and be monitored closely. So that was one story. And the other main story, I suppose, that's breaking out and has basically, uh, I think, uh, to many extents, swamped our news media is um, is um, the uh, death or demise of um, the football uh, uh, star, Pele. Um, in this, uh, on the breakfast show, we have had a long tradition of being the first to break important news. I mean, we were the first to uh, carry the news uh, as far as the voice of Islam is concerned on the breakfast show, the demise of the Queen, uh, the Brexit Brexit results, the landslide uh, victory of uh, Boris Johnson at the 2019 general election, and the resignation of Liz Truss. And today we are carrying uh, the sad news of uh, the demise of um, Edson Adrantes de Nascimento, otherwise known as Pele, who died yesterday at the age of 82, following a long battle with colon cancer. Uh, he was arguably the best ever football player, mentioned in the same breath as Maradona, Cruyff and Messi. Uh, he has uh, scored a record number of goals in the top levels of football, uh, 1,281 although my sons were disputing that, but uh, I'm not going to argue with them. That's the figure I've got, um, and that's the figure I'm going to stick stick to. <laughs> but he is the only player who uh, won three World Cups uh, for his national side, Brazil, and he started playing when he was just 17. Tributes on his demise uh, have come from far and wide, not least from the top football stars of the game, um, the modern game, some like Kylian Mbappe, the rising uh, French star of football, just wished him to rest in peace. Others were a little more profound. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, winner of the five of five Ballon d'Or, stated, "A mere goodbye to the eternal King Pele will never be enough to express the pain that currently embraces the entire football uh, world. An inspiration for so many millions, a reference from yesterday, today, forever. The affection he always showed for me was reciprocal in every moment we shared, even from a distance. He will never be forgotten, and his memory will live." Uh, on forever in each of us football lovers. Uh, so that was Ronaldo. And then uh, Neymar also gave uh, a meaningful tribute. He said that before Pele, 10 was just a number. I've read this phrase somewhere at some point in my life, but this sentence, beautiful, is incomplete. I would say before Pele, football was just a sport. Pele has changed it all. He turned football into an art into entertainment. He gave voice to the poor, to the blacks, and especially he gave visibility to Brazil. Soccer and Brazil have raised their status thanks to the king. Uh, he's referring to Pele, of course. He's gone, but his magic remains. Pele is forever. So these are the tributes that are uh, flowing in about uh, this person who raised the profile of his uh, nation, his country. And from that point of view, I think that uh, we should also uh, appreciate that. 
came from a very poor, poor family, uh, uh, born 50 years after slavery had been abolished. Uh, father happened to be an excellent uh, foot, uh, football player whose career ended because of injury, and it was one of the reasons why his mother uh, was not keen on him also wanting to pursue um, a footballing career because it could end abruptly and uh, render the family as it had done uh, with his own family, uh, with his father's family, into into poverty. Um, So, um, but um, um, for him, he was fortunate enough uh, to not uh, fall prey to any injury that ended his career. He could have played for Inter Milan, uh, we were told, in in the 1960s. Uh, But Brazil made him a national treasure, forbidding his going out of the country. Um, So that is how much he was prized, even um, as far back (coughs) in the 60s. Um, He did play later on uh, abroad, of course, uh, for LA Galaxy and others. So um, that's uh, the dominant, or that's the news that has been dominating uh, our screens and print media uh, in the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, Is there anything else that that you want to cover? Or shall I move on to another Uh, story? um, I mean, there there is uh, one (laughs) one particular news I wanted to mention uh, with regards to Flood alert for South Scotland as uh, amber weather warning issued. Um, so this from BBC News and it says that flood is expected in parts of Scotland after an amber weather warning was issued for heavy rain. So the Met Office alert covering uh, Dumfries and Galloway and the borders forecast that 40 to 50 uh, millimetres of rain on Friday and warns flooding could pose a danger to life. Um, Yellow alerts are also in place for the rain in central Scotland and for snow and ice in northern areas. So the Scottish Environment Protection Agency uh, has issued flood warnings in central and southern areas. Uh, So the amber warning runs from 3 until 12 uh, GMT on Friday and people in uh, Dumfries and Galloway and the borders have been told to to ex- to expect the flooding in homes and businesses with a good chance um, some communities will cut off by flooded roads and uh, car parks next to uh, River Nith in uh, Dumfries including the White Sands were closed on Thursday evening amid flood warnings so travel dis- disruption is also uh, said to be likely so that's just uh, a little update uh, with regards to the weather. Mm-hmm. Well, the other story that um, is also current uh, is regarding um, uh, China and its um, uh, COVID uh, policy. Um, it had uh, uh, it approached the whole pandemic differently to uh, what how it was approached in the West or many of the countries in the West. Uh, it had a, a zero COVID policy, um, and uh, as a consequence, very few people compared to uh, what was happening in other countries or many other countries in the West uh, succumbed uh, to the um, to the uh, to the disease. 
um, and the death levels is a f- uh, were a fraction of this populous country, a fraction of what uh, the death levels were in, say, the States or in the UK. Um, so, so much for that success. Now that the um, uh, the uh, policy is ending and uh, the country is opening up, uh, there are certain consequences that uh, it has had to confront. Uh, and the issue is that the low immunization levels and uh, the lifting of its zero-COVID policy has meant that there is little natural immunity among the Chinese population, raising the pos- possibility of an explosion of COVID cases. Now, uh, uh, so far, there's no statistical uh, reliable uh, study that um, says that that is taking place, but there is the possibility of that occurring. And uh, this has meant then that other nations are much more wary of receiving visitors from China. Many countries are imposing COVID checks on travelers from this country, and several nations are asking travelers from China to produce a negative COVID test in order to gain entry. The U.S. has said that this would allow, or this would slow the spread of the virus, while scientists work to identify any potential variants that may emerge. But no one is suggesting that this will stop COVID cases coming in. Um, Now, the U.K., there is plenty uh, of COVID still about, um, but it hasn't taken a stringent measure in not allowing Chinese visitors into the country. Um, Italy has said that it is imposing mandatory post-arrival PCR uh, tests on travelers travelers from China. Those that test positive would need to quarantine for several days. Um, And uh, Italy's Prime Minister Giorgio Meloni said that those travelers from China who have tested positive so far are carriers of Omicron variants already present in Italy. And Italy wants an EU-wide approach on this issue, but the EU's disease agency says, for many reasons, that is unjustified. So it considers it to to be an overreaction. Uh, I was mentioning earlier that there is plenty of COVID in the UK. Uh, Probably well over a million people a week are getting infected, either at work, home, or socializing. In other words, anywhere people gather. The latest uh, ONS uh, survey estimated that around 1 in 45 people had the virus earlier this month. But most of the UK population is well protected from severe illness via a combination of vaccines and repeated natural infection. Uh, That means COVID, while still a potential danger here, is no longer the threat it was. So it is uh, no longer uh, a death sentence. 1 in 45 you mentioned. Yes. Is that high? That's worrying. That's worrying, very worrying. So, mm. if my if in my building there are about uh, ninety people, mm. then that means at least two from this ratio will have COVID, will be tested positive. Yes, and this is why I think this is one of the reasons why here in the Battlefield complex. Mm. Uh, we are still applying certain strict measures. Absolutely. So those people who have uh, uh, flu-like symptoms are not supposed to be uh, coming to the mosque. And um, the wearing of masks is compulsory. Uh, And it is also the case in hospitals and care homes, the wearing of masks is is compulsory. 
Absolutely. Um, so um, I think that a balance has had to be adopted um, in the wider public because mm. um, otherwise businesses and uh, uh, people um, going about their lawful business would be hindered. So stricter measures have been relaxed, but uh, when you're coming to prayer, then uh, those uh, certain restrictions are being still applied. Uh, I also wanted to mention just before we end the news hour as well, um, uh, I was speaking to one of my friend uh, from from Scotland, uh, Brother Canado, and mm. uh, he was actually telling me that uh, every morning uh, when he goes for morning prayers, uh, he, him and his kids, they all listen to the uh, breakfast show in the morning. So uh, he, he mentioned that point and uh, he's currently listening as well. Oh, uh, So, uh, you know, I just, uh, it's, it's very um, pleasing to hear that, you know, even we have uh, listeners all the way up from Scotland tuning in. Um, and, you know, that that's the feedback I received from, from a friend of mm-hmm. mine. Mm-hmm. Was there, did um, the youth also have uh, a special activity on uh, the day after uh, Christmas uh, in uh, um, attending uh, uh, early morning prayers and then going out to clean what had happened the night before? Uh, so th- there is uh, initially a a plan in the pipeline to do it on the New, New, New Year's, Year's Day. New Year's Day. New Year's there Day. There wasn't over Christmas. I thought there was one on then as well. Um, I, I don't think uh, uh, any such event took place, uh-huh. but uh, usually over the country, uh, there are a lot of youth members going into care homes mm-hmm. and uh, giving gifts bags. Uh, so that right. that did take place. Uh-huh. Um, okay. All right. Good. Anyway, um, I think we it's time that we moved on. Uh, we uh, need to look at the first of our main topics now, the New Year, New Me Perspective. Uh, That's the title of this particular uh, topic. Uh, And it's something that was covered by a couple of um, websites. And uh, we've got uh, um, some uh, material, if I can put it that way, regarding this. Uh, And the gist of it, of this particular topic, is that uh, is regarding making New Year's resolutions. and uh, finding that uh, uh, you've lost uh, the enthusiasm, the motivation uh, as weeks go by, and that they're uh, completely forgotten by March. Uh, And if this is the case uh, uh, with you, then uh, the uh, website seems to claim that you will not be alone. More than 60% of Americans make a New Year's resolution each year, However, only 8% of Americans actually follow through on their New Year's resolutions and based on studies. Clinical psychologist Joseph J. Luciani says that 80% of those fail by the time February rolls around. Uh, As the New Year creeps into view, it is natural to become eager for a fresh transformation, but the problem arises when this excitement fades due to a lack of self-discipline. Uh, and, and this is according to the same uh, clinical psychologist, jo- Joseph uh, Luciani. Um, it's a human nature, uh, it is said, uh, to set goals at the start of something new, making the start of the new year um, a popular time to let new goals and expectations for the year ahead. We create new resolutions to eat healthier, 
work out or break other bad habits, psychologically we need time to step back and reflect. Oftentimes with the uh, holidays and the calendar change, uh, people take the time um, now to do so, but people often set themselves up to fail. Dr. Uh, Aaron Leonard says there is some truth to it. Uh, thinking about what feeling compels the behavior, thinking about when you do the behavior, thinking about why you do the behavior, uh, really putting some thought into that, she said. Socially, people have made New Year's a day to reflect. But she says the downfall is people don't often make their goals realistic or put enough thought into what they want to work on. The deeper, more internal problems like how you treat others or react to things will take a lot more work than just saying you can do it. Making sure, this is a quote from her, making sure you understand why that's a vulnerability to you and why your feelings sort of got hurt and you get defensive. That's important in terms of personal growth and evolution. An off-cited older study from 1988 focusing on resolution makers found that those unsuccessful in maintaining their goals were more likely to self-blame or have wishful thinking that the problems were settled on their own. On the other hand, having supportive relationships, environments, and inter interpersonal systems, such as people holding you accountable uh, to your goals, uh, was associated with resolution maintenance at the two-year mark. Or in other words, setting up the community and space around you towards researching a resolution leads to better success than going at it alone. A, re a review or a PDF of research about self-change, uh, New Year's resolutions are just one type. Uh, I suppose that's the title of the research. Attributes failures to unrealistic expectations of the goal itself, specifically regarding the degree, pace, ease, and idealization of change being made. That means people often make their resolutions either too sweeping or too intense. Another study that looked at what made people more likely to stick with New Year's resolutions specifically found that people who were more successful tended to be more mentally ready to start that change and were more confident in their ability to make progress uh, toward their goal and continue to do so. This suggests, or the research suggests, that attitude about a behavior change uh, goal matters. And we spoke to uh, Dr. Alan Leonard we, uh, that has been mentioned, and uh, this is what she had to say. Dr. Erin Leonard has been a practicing psychotherapist for 20 years during her time at Children's Memorial Medical Center. She was awarded the Shaw Research Award and has written for the Huffington Post. Dr. Leonard has also appeared on WGN and Fox Affiliates in Chicago, Dallas, Boston, Memphis, Atlanta, and Phoenix. She's a TV contributor for Wish TV, Indiana Police, <clears throat> WNDU South Bend, and WSBT South Bend. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Leonard. Thank you for having me on. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about our topic. So why do millions of people resolve to change at the beginning of every year? Is today the best time to reflect and set goals? Um, you know, I think it's sort of a tradition and a theme, and so people sort of feel like they have to make some changes because that's just the kind of the theme of the holiday. Um, but it, it is a very tough time of year to make 
um, pretty permanent changes, and because that requires a, quite a bit of um, emotional um, fortitude and you know some some serious commitment, and in some cases a, a big lifestyle change. So, sort of making this um, promise to yourself to, to change something is is it can be it can be very difficult this time of year. Mm-hmm. And how can individuals set realistic goals? So it's very important to um, sort of have some emotional balance about the goal. And so if, if the goal is near and dear to your heart and you're going about it with empathy for yourself, you're more likely to be successful. So if this goal is something kind of, you know, a seed planted in your head from parents or from the media or from, or from you know, some other source, and it's not really coming from a deep, um, a deep and meaningful well where, you know, that you want to change, it, it may be easy to sort of forget and neglect after a while. So re- really having a heartfelt and um, deeper meaning for the change is, is going to help you stick to the change. Um, why, why is it difficult for some people to sometimes fulfill their New Year's resolutions? Well, life gets busy and, you know, unexpected things happen and people, um, priorities change and shift and, and there are new demands and responsibilities. So everyone moves at a very fast clip right now. Life is a very, very fast-paced. And so sometimes um, the things that aren't, you know, first or second or third priority slip off someone's plate very quickly and easily. And it is, it is absolutely extremely human for that to happen. So in your opinion, what is the key to achieving our New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I think a couple of things. Number one, do you feel heartfelt about it? Is it really something that you feel passionate about that you want to do for yourself? Or is it something that's sort of been um, planted by the media, something you think you should be better at? Um, and you're really not feeling it, but you think you, you think you should be better at this. And so, so for example, working out every day, um, if you're doing it because you have been told that it's important and that successful people work out every day, healthy people work out every day, you know, and, and you're not really feeling strongly about it, it's probably something that's going to fall by the wayside pretty quickly. Now, if you have this burning desire to, feel better about your life and feel and feel um, more grounded and centered and so you're partaking in um, you know martial arts or, or something that will really give you a tremendous benefit in terms of your your own mental health and how you feel about yourself you're more likely to stick with it because you are doing it for you you're doing it for the right reason um, the second thing is it has to be realistic right so people people kind of um, identify these lofty goals and, you know, for example, you know, I'm only going to eat, you know, I'm working out every day or I'm going to only eat vegetables for dinner for the next, you know, year. And some of those goals are, um, are fairly unrealistic and and unobtainable. And it is impossible to predict what life is going to throw at you and where life is going to take you. And so, you may, you, you may promise to eat vegetarian, but four months in, if you're not, you don't have the time to food prep and, and order healthy food, it might actually be a detriment. So making a goal extremely realistic and building in, um, book, bookending it kind of. So I am going to work out four out of the, you know, um, three out of the five work days. 
Um, and, and so by, by making it realistic and having sort of short-term, short-term parameters or goals along the way, you're more likely to gain momentum and stick to the resolution. So if it's realistic and um, if you have short goals that you can reach on the way to this long-term goal, you're more apt to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And so just understanding the root of our behaviors and behavioral issues that we often want to change help achieve the goals, such as emotional eating and overspending or improving our relationships. And how can we best get to the root of our problems and resolve them? Okay, so that's, that's a really great question. And I think that we could take over overeating for an example. So say, say someone, a lot of these sort of bad habits come from um, childhood experiences that were negative. And so um, they kind of pop up in your adult life, and these are kind of maladaptive ways of coping with something that was very troubling during childhood. So reaching that. So I'll give you the example of overeating. So many people who overeat um, or emotionally or emotional eat, they, they had an attachment figure or a parent who lacked empathy. And food is really our closest physical representation for empathy that we have in life. It's warm, it's nurturing, it's fortifying, it's comforting. Um, and so a lot of the times people who overeat or emotional eat are, are the people who did not get enough empathy from an attachment figure growing up. And so subconsciously they are drawn to, to food because it is the closest representation to empathy that we have. Um, and it's not, it is nowhere near empathy, but it's very, you know, it, it feels, it feels like it's the closest thing towards empathy. So in that case, really understanding um, how an attachment figure impacted your sense of self or your self-esteem is really important. It doesn't mean you have to confront the attachment figure. It doesn't mean you have to, um, you know, even talk with the attachment figure about it or be mad at the attachment figure. It just simply means that, really reflecting on it and trying to understand what that lack of empathy did to you as a child, having empathy for yourself as a child, and and then really knowing that, oh, well, that's why I do it. I get it now. Now that I get it, and the unconscious kind of feelings are brought to the person's conscious awareness, they then are free. It frees them. It frees them from that bond of maladaptive coping that they were kind of um, trapped in. Um, would you say there's a particular strategy for ensuring our resolutions stick? A, a strategy. Yes, I would, to make sure a resolution sticks. Yes, I would say um, setting a realistic goal, making sure they, uh, there are short-term rewards along the way, um, having grace for yourself because life, life does, life is going to get in the way sometimes. And so expecting that that's going to happen and you may be interrupted or sidetracked for a minute, that that's normal and human. And um, understanding that and having empathy for yourself and, and encouraging yourself to get, get back on it and get back on track is really important. And I think just, um, yeah, and, and ensuring that, you know, that the bad habits that you're either trying to extinguish or substitute with something better that if it is something sort of like a maladaptive coping mechanism, that, that, that you do go back and look at your childhood and the emotional stuff you didn't get and, and what you may be trying to compensate for now in your adult life and how, how it impacts you in your adult life. So I think those are the most important things. Thank you. That's really useful. And one of the challenges of sticking to New Year's resolutions is 
continuing even after we slip up? How can individuals get back on track after facing a setback? I think, you know, some people have this natural resilience, right? So they are impacted um, by something and they feel it deeply and they struggle a little bit, but they, they seem to be the type that gets up and keeps running. And that's called resilience. And resilience is very closely tied with emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligent people, you know, one of the cornerstones of emotional intelligence is empathy. And if, if someone has empathy for themselves, even though it's hard, having empathy, empathy for, um, if they have empathy for others, they're quite capable of having empathy for themselves. And if they don't or they can't, that's a childhood trauma that has gotten in the way that they may have to talk, sort out, process, and figure out. Um, that was a long-winded answer, and I, it was so long I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you keep on track after facing a setback? Oh, yes. I would say have empathy for yourself. Definitely have empathy for yourself. Give yourself grace. Life is going to get in the way. You are going to get off track. It is just what happens in life. Expect it. And then plan for it. You know, plan for it. Say, okay, if I get off track, I am going to call my workout buddy and ask for support. And so, and then, um, and then after you have a plan and after you get back on track, you know, reward yourself. So I think those are important steps in, in order to help um, someone stick to it. Thank you so much, Dr. Erin. It's been really a pleasure speaking to you and really um, useful information. I wish you a really happy new year and thank you so much for joining us despite um, being traveling through your holidays as well. I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Right. Uh, that was Dr. Erin Leonard, uh, a practicing psychotherapist for 20 years and uh, serving, uh, or has been serving, at the Children's Memorial Medical Center uh, and uh, was awarded the Shaw Research Award. Uh, she's also the author for Parent.co, uh, Redtree.com, and the Huffington Post. Um, so um, a very learned uh, scholar, I must say, uh, and that's what she had to say on this particular issue. So for the Islamic angle, uh, sir, it's over to you, uh, Imam Tuki. Uh, yes, uh, I mean, <clears throat> every year, you know, the, the new year comes and goes, and uh, particularly um, His Holiness in his Friday sermon, uh, he usually self-reflects and, you know, preaches to the community as well that uh, so many years have passed, uh, you know, what what have we gained or, you know, what, what are what have we achieved and uh, his holiness always uh, highlights that particular aspect of self-reflection ref- um, if we look to the holy quran in uh, chapter 59 verse 19 is the almighty says in the holy quran that O ji who believe fear allah and let every soul look to what it sends forth for the marrow and fear allah verily allah is well aware of what you do and since we don't know what the future holds or what the new year will bring uh, believers prepare for it with hope prayer and resolution and the purpose of islam is to help one reform oneself and create a positive and observable change in life and this can't happen without firm resolution so new year's resolution uh, one secular tradition we find in islam also 
And uh, most people, they break their New Year's resolution within the first month. However, um, this is why uh, the Holy Quran offers guidance, hope for those difficult periods. And when breaking a habit or permanently adopting a virtue becomes difficult, the, the Holy Quran it records the advice of Hazrat Luqman, peace be upon him, that he gave to his son. And uh, this is mentioned in chapter 31, verse 18, where Allah the Almighty says that, O oh, my dear son, observe prayer and enjoin good and forbid evil and endure patiently whatever may befall thee. Surely this is of those matters which require firm resolve. So keeping to a resolution requires the belief that it will lead to a good uh, end ultimately. And this is why Allah reminds us that if you believe and be righteous, you shall have a great reward. So when a person believes their actions will really produce the intended effects, only then do they have the determination and resolve to see their goal to the end. And this is why belief has been made an essential prerequisite for achieving any objective otherwise uh, one would hardly have the conviction needed for achieving great tasks so when allah promises a great reward it de is dependent on belief and constant effort towards the goal and even you know the holy prophet peace be upon him um, is uh, has said at one place that uh, Allah loves deeds which are done regularly, be, be they only a few. And this is recorded in Sahih al-Bukhari. And it just goes to show that every year, you know, when we do make New Year resolution that, uh, you know, I, I want to maybe do this in my life. I want to be a bit more active. Um, I, I want to, you know, spiritually improve myself. So the, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he says that, Allah, Allah the Almighty, He loves those deeds that are done on a regular basis, even though they may be a few. So um, it's, it's always best not to have too much on your plate, but have certain tasks or you know adopt certain uh, actions, but try to do them on a regular basis. Um, you know, as as I was saying that, for example, if someone uh, maybe they might have a New Year's a resolution that you know they want to be more healthy or more fit. Um, you know they'll they'll have to take baby steps um, in order to get to get to that goal. You know if they haven't completely done any exercise, you know maybe start off with just walks, uh, regular walks, and then keep improving that. After you know they become more regular on their walks, then start to run more. Um, and then get into a uh, habit of doing doing different exercise in that way you know you, you'll you'll try to achieve uh, these goals so the the holy quran it teaches that mere pledge making it meaningless unless carried out in full and after all god isn't concerned with our words as much as our practical actions and the holy prophet peace be upon him he preached what he practiced and he practiced what he preached and this is the reason he was so successful in bringing others from degeneration to vast avenues of progress and this is the guidance you know which his holiness has given um, for example if we look at 
his uh, Friday sermon, which he gave on the 1st of January in uh, 2016, his holiness, he mentioned that uh, mutual New Year greetings would only be beneficial when we reflect to see how much we have fulfilled our obligations last year and how much we will try to do in the new year. So, you know, as I, as I was mentioning earlier, that uh, self-reflecting on, uh, you know, how much we've achieved or where, you know, what, what have we achieved. So that aspect His Holiness has uh, highlighted. And His Holiness further said that this Friday onwards, resolutions which would create alertness and effort in the new year would be made. And it is obvious that the task we are expected to do as MDs can only be done through virtue and pity. And he further said that indeed the expected levels for Ahmadis have been explained in the conditions of birth. And although the conditions of birth, the oath of allegiance, are ten, so there are ten conditions of birth, however, broadly speaking, they carry more than thirty responsibilities laid on Ahmadis. And if true happiness is to be commemorated at the start of a new year, these responsibilities should be kept in view and we need to self-reflect how much we fulfilled our pledges last year and if there are any deficiencies how can we make good this year and the promised messiah peace be upon him he has also said that only that person joins our community who makes our teachings his modus operandi and puts it in practice according to his strength and endeavor. Furthermore, his uh, holiness is given uh, guidance on this particular subject and he said on the 30th of December 2016, um, and I quote from there, he says that in, in Western uh, developed uh, world, New Year's Eve is celebrated with a lot of activities and people they stay awake for the entire night and spend their time partying or consuming alcohol. And he says that thus the last year is concluded and the new year is started with such immoral worldly activities and majority of the of the people have no religious concern. Therefore, they cannot reach out to the depths that a true believer can achieve. And the majesty of a true believer is not only to express despair over such worldly activities but also to conduct a self-audit and evaluate the year that has passed and what have we earned uh, lost through this year will the true believer evaluate the year through a worldly lens or will it be through religious and spiritual perspective and if it if it has to be a on the spiritual scale then uh, need to look into the standard of it so that it can truly reveal what has been lost and what has been gained. So we am the Muslims are very fortunate that Allah the Almighty has given us the instruction of the following of the following of the promised Messiah who presented to us the summary of the teachings of Allah and his prophet peace be upon him and also showed us the high standard to evaluate our deeds and spirituality. And if this standard is kept in assessment, then we can surely achieve the standards of true believers. And these are the conditions 
to rightly judge your standards of good deeds. And every Ahmadi undertook birth and thus through this the promised Messiah gave us the instruction to follow and thus also expected from every MD to self-evaluate themselves every day, every week and every month and every year. Thus if we spend the last night of the previous year and the new day of the new year pondering over our spiritual conditions and by spending time supplicating towards Allah then we will be the ones who will be working towards a good life in the hereafter. So His Holiness said that although, you know, on the one side you look at the whole world that uh, during the new year, uh, usually uh, people people are involved in, uh, uh, you know, just partying all night, consuming alcohol. We, you know, we should not adopt that norm and should shun that norm. And in actual fact, we should try to look at how much have we increased in our spirituality and you know how much have we built in that communi- in that communication with god almighty so we'll uh, elaborate more on this particular subject but now right now it is the you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed in the name of allah the gracious the merciful Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you and welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You are joined by myself, Tukir Ahmed Tanweer and Brother Valid here from the studio of Voice of Islam. And we're just looking at the, at the new year and uh, we're looking at, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what do normally people do? What is the norm uh, when it comes to new year? And um, we also um, listen to... One of our guest speakers as well, Doctor. Uh, sorry, who? who er, 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 we had Erin. Doctor Erin, and she also contributed as well. Um, so we listened to her. Um, uh, so I mean, it's a very interesting, uh, interesting topic. Um, you know, a lot of us, you know, we do self-reflect and we do look at. What have we achieved? Um, you know, what what will be our New Year's resolution? A lot of the times, you know, uh, people have goals they want to achieve. Um, you know, some some people have goals on getting a really good, well-established job. Uh, you know, everyone has goals and uh, they they want to achieve. So everyone has their that goal that they need to uh, need to achieve. Um, but we looked at the guidance of what His Holiness has said and uh, what we should self-reflect on. And uh, uh, we looked at these conditions of birth, uh, the 10 conditions of birth, and uh, looking at, you know, His Holiness, many a times he's mentioned that, uh, you know, we should, as as a Muslim, we should look at, you know, have we increased in our spirituality as well, where we are looking at goals of uh, of how we are doing in worldly goods but at the same time we should also have our spiritual goals as well um you know have we uh developed that relationship with allah the almighty um you know are we very regular in our five daily prayers are we uh praying voluntary prayers as well so that whole um aspect of 
self-reflection even in our spirituality. Um, there's a very beautiful incident of the fourth caliph uh, that I wanted to mention here, Brother Walid, mm. um, of, of his uh, New Year's, um, or a, a very uh, beautiful incident, uh, which is uh, worth mentioning, and uh, I'll read it out in his own words of the fourth caliph. So, have mercy on him. He once stated that once I was in the UK for New Year's Eve and countless people had gathered at Trafalgar Square on this night. People are usually engulfed in all sorts of indecent acts and as soon as the clock strikes midnight they think they are free to do anything they please. And losing all sense of morality and religious obligation that night by chance I happened to be at Euston Station. So I decided to offer voluntary prayers, and which was nothing special on my part. And as by the grace of Allah the Almighty, the majority of MD Muslims, they begin the new year in the same manner. I laid out a newspaper to offer my prayers, and after a few minutes, I felt as if someone was standing beside me. And I had not completely completed my prayers when I heard someone weeping and complimenting my prayers and I saw an elderly English gentleman crying profusely and I became deeply concerned and thought that perhaps he was sympathizing with me thinking that maybe uh, I had gone mad so I asked what was the matter with him and he replied that there is nothing wrong with me uh, but my people have lost their senses. And at this time, many people are engrossed in all sorts of immoral acts and there are there is only one person who is remembering their Lord. And this thought had such a profound effect on my heart that I was unable to hold back my tears. And he then repeatedly said the words that God bless you, God bless you. Thus even... So the so the fourth caliph he mentions afterwards that thus even if the entire world mocks at us and the youth should not care one bit for for he has every right to exercise his freedom and is answerable to God Almighty alone. So this is a very beautiful incident of the mm-hmm. of the fourth caliph that uh, you know while uh, his his. Uh, what he would do that uh, when the clocks hit uh, hit midnight, he would mm. offer voluntary prayers, mm. and uh, this itself has been the practice of the Amdiya Muslim community as well. Um, and uh, in mosques throughout throughout the country, uh, you know there will be voluntary prayers um, that members of the community will be taking part in. And uh, not only that, after that, um, a lot of the members, they take part in uh, litter clean- cleaning the streets and uh, litter picking. So a lot of the youth and elderly as well, they will be partaking in that as well. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. there's something which uh, the Amdiya Muslim community, which it actively uh, takes part in every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- will you also <coughs> be partaking in this, Brother Vilip? Um I hope so, inshallah. Yeah, I'm God willing, yes. Um, so I am planning to do that. Um, but the other thing I, I just wanted to uh, run by you, uh, because you're very knowledgeable, I know. <laughs> All right? 
that um, uh, you know this uh, um, sense of making New Year's resolutions and trying to improve yourself. Isn't this a form of jihad as well? Isn't that part of what jihad actually is really concerning? Is uh, is um, is trying to engender an improvement to shed yourself of uh, the negative, the evil practices that you may be engaged in, and trying to be uh, more virtuous uh, in your conduct. No, absolutely. You've mm. really hit the nail on the butt there because mm. if we study the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran very clearly says that. That those who strive in the way of Allah, the Almighty, then uh, ultimately Allah Ta'ala will, will show those people the ways. So mm-hmm. I- I- within this verse of the Holy Quran, uh, the principle has been laid by, by Allah, the Almighty. And he says that for in order to achieve the path or to get nearness to God Almighty, you have to strive, you know, you have to uh, strive on those paths. And if you do that, then ultimately God Almighty will bless you and he will show you the path. So, I mean, ultimately, it, this is what uh, we all as human beings, uh, you know, just as in worldly sense, if we're trying to achieve something, we have to work hard for it. We have to strive hard for it. Similarly, you know, if uh, as a Muslim, you know, we should also uh, strive to attain the love of Allah the Almighty as well. And for that itself, God Almighty says that, you know, you have to strive, you have to work hard, you know, you have to pray five times a day, you have to remember it five times a day, you have to do your voluntary prayers. Um, and in in response to that, God Almighty will bless you and, uh, you know, you, you yourself will have that relationship with him so that that's what mm, he says mm. um, within the Holy Quran in this verse mm-hmm. and the other thing I was also thinking about is that um, there seems to be um, an instinctive desire uh, in every human being to try and make make themselves better and uh, this is recognized uh, or this could be argued that if this is recognized when we have the month of uh, fasting that uh, during the month of fasting, uh, it is a month that you should use to try and create an improve improvement in yourself, shed yourself of uh, those practices that are wrong and evil, and try and do more good de- good uh, deeds. And the fact what that was mentioned in this uh, research is that there is greater success if there is uh, a group of you. That are that are that are striving in the same direction, then the fact that the whole body of Muslims does this during the month of Ramadan is also an indication that um, there is wisdom in that taking place, and that that innate desire in a human being to try and improve themselves is enhanced in uh, uh, through through the month of fasting. Because it's not just about not eating; it's more about. Uh, trying to create an improvement in yourself, isn't it? Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, uh, sometimes, uh, although Allah the Almighty, He says that, you know, when you do good acts or when you commit virtues, you should also do them, um, you know, when no one is looking at you. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for example, giving charity, you can you can do that while no one is looking and you can do it just, you know, that, 
only you you know and Allah the Almighty knows what you've done. And also when it comes to voluntary prayers, you know, God Almighty says that, you know, you, sh- you should offer voluntary prayers and there's something that you can personally do um, at the accorded timings. But then there are also, like for example, of the obligatory prayers, which as a as a Muslim, you know, uh, someone who is fit has to offer prayers um, in congregation in the mosque. So these are also virtues or good acts where we offer offer them, uh, mm. and every everyone there, you know, you do it in a whole gathering, and the purpose of that is so, you know, that love is instilled um, in in a in a sort of uh, social gathering and. That love of Lord the Almighty not only is it within the individual, but also that whole society itself is affected by it. And mm. and essentially, uh, Allah the Almighty says that you should do both. You should um, you should pray to Allah the Almighty while you know you are by yourself individually, and you should also do it as a group. Uh, so not only are, is that love of Allah spreading within you, but also as a society, <coughs> it is also spreading. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, <coughs> we'll conclude the <coughs> Islamic analysis and <coughs> I'll hand the mic on to okay. Brother Vali to introduce the next segment. Well, thank you very much. Um, so uh, <coughs> as indicated, you uh, the next segment is uh, now ripe to be addressed and uh, this is regarding kindness can have unexpectedly unexpectedly positive consequences. So kindness can have unexpectedly positive consequences, something we picked up from the Scientific American. And the gist of this uh, is being summarized as follows, that people engage in random acts of kindness may not fully recognize the impact of their behavior on others. Scientists who study happiness know that being kind to others can improve well-being. Acts as simple as buying a cup of coffee for someone can boost a person's mood, for example. Everybody, uh, everyday life affords many opportunities for such actions, yet people do not always take advantage of them. In a set of studies published online in the Journal of Experimental Psychology, General, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Nick Epley, a behavioral scientist at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business and others examined a possible explanation. They found that people who perform random acts of kindness do not always realize how much of an impact they are having on another individual. People consistently and systematically underestimate how others value these acts. Across uh, multiple experiments involving uh, approximately 1,000 participants, people performed a random act of kindness, that is, an action done with the primary intention of making someone else who isn't expecting the gesture feel good. Those who perform such actions expect nothing in return. We often presume our well-being equates to what we have, our job, bank balance, income, home, car, or some other items we have. But science shows that what we do and how we think has the biggest impact on our mental well-being. 
it determines how we feel. Sharing and giving um, makes us feel good about ourselves. Anything from small acts of kindness to volunteering uh, to um, gifting or helping uh, a friend or neighbor in need can enhance one's self-esteem, sense of purpose, and feelings of connectivity to others. There are lots of uh, ways in which we can uh, give. Some of it costs money, but it doesn't have to. Some of the best gifts involve uh, being thoughtful and kind or simply listening and responding. When people feel heard, uh, when people feel heard, that feels so good. While we cannot always help others in the same way, here are other things you can do. And there's a list that is provided, uh, so I can rattle through this. Uh, research or reach out to someone you haven't met in a while. You never know who is lonely. Help someone to get set up online so they have greater connectivity. Uh, go shopping for someone. Volunteer for a charity. Help someone on a work project. Give someone a book, magazine, or send them a link to something useful or fun. Uh, drop someone a care package or meet up with them. Uh, tell someone how much you appreciate them. Uh, be kind and appreciative in your interaction. Give someone flowers or a small gift out of the blue. Send a kind thank you note or text. Uh, people who are kind also experience benefits for their longevity. Uh, kindness reduces stress and improves your emotional well-being. While many of us have uh, new competing stresses in our lives, helping others gives us perspective. Uh, grounding and lasting good feelings, as well as being emotional. Uh, dividends, uh, kindness can uh, uh, make a big difference to others, especially for people who are vulnerable or struggling. Uh, there are many ways uh, we can help others as part of our daily lives, as well as them, it makes us feel good. Uh, studies have shown that it promotes positive changes in our brain, wiring us to be generally more proactive, happy, and thoughtful. It also adds uh, to a sense of belonging, uh, protecting us from loneliness. So we will be discussing this, uh, well, we hope to be discussing this subject with uh, an expert. Her name is Lynn Misner. Uh, she is uh, the chief executive and founder of Small Acts of Kindness, and uh, she has a particular objective of uh, stemming loneliness and isolation in older people and those who are cold in their homes. So uh, we hope to be speaking to her later, uh, if uh, not very soon. But uh, while we're waiting, perhaps we can uh, uh, go on to something else, go on to perhaps the Islamic angle of... Uh uh, yes, I mean, this itself uh, is, is a very <coughs> important subject. Uh, that we are covering um, and looking at kindness um, and uh, you know just uh, looking at the Islamic perspective um, I will go more into detail of it but uh, if we for example look at the Holy Quran in chapter 2 verse 238 Allah the Almighty says and do not forget to do good to one another and at another place in chapter 4 uh, verse 37 Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran in the name of Allah the Gracious the Merciful and worship Allah and associate not with him and show kindness to parents and to the kindred and orphans 
and the needy, and to the neighbor that is a kinsman, and the neighbor that is a stranger, and the companion by your side, and the wayfarer, and those on whom your right hand possesses. So from these two verses, we see that Allah the Almighty, He highlights that, uh, um, you know, as a Muslim, we should show kindness to one another and uh, we, we should do good to each other. Um, but these actions are further elaborated by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who taught uh, what he who taught what he what he preached and he practiced what he what he preached um and uh, if we look at the life of the holy prophet peace be upon him he emphasized love sympathy <coughs> kindness towards all and he also emphasized that we must show kindness um we must show each other great appreciation and he at one place he said that one who is not grateful to mankind is not grateful to Allah. At another place, he said that um, he prayed that Allahumma, uh, Allahumma Rafiqun wa Yuhibbu Rifka, that uh, Allah is kind and loves kindness in all affairs. Um, and uh, this is what we see uh, in the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, as well. Uh, this is also what he practiced, what he preached and uh, the compassion he showed to others at one place the promised Messiah peace be upon him, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, he wrote that the principle to which, which we adhere is that we have kindness at the heart for the ho for whole of mankind and if anyone sees the house of a Hindu neighbor on fire and does not come forward to help extinguish the fire most truly, I declare that he does not belong to me. And if any one of my followers, having seen someone attempting to murder a Christian, does not endeavor to save him, I most truly declare that he is not, uh, he does not belong to us. Uh, so this from Siraj, his book, Siraj Munir. Uh, so from this we find that uh, we should help one another within the society um, and uh, you know you'll, you'll find other narrations as well of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him where he says that you know if you are to cook some food then uh, put extra water in it referring to a dish called broth um, he says that put extra water in it just so you could make more of it and then give it to your neighbor so as as a as a Muslim, um, it is very important that we show kindness to one another, um, and this is the two main fundamentals of the Sharia itself, as explained by the Promised Messiah peace be upon him. He says that one is that you should give due rights towards God Almighty, as in to remember Him, to pray towards Him, and the second is that you should give due rights towards His creation. So helping one another, the showing kindness. So this is where the aspect comes in. So we'll we'll go more into de detail into the Islamic perspective of it. Um, uh, but as we are, uh, you know, waiting for our next caller, I will read this next quote out from the second caliph of the Amdi Muslim community, Azim Zabashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed. He says on this particular subject and one place that 
be kind and merciful to humanity for all his creatures and for all his creatures do not oppress them with your tongue or hands or in any other way always work for the good of mankind and never unduly assert yourself with pride over others and even those who are placed under you and never use abusive language for anyone even though he abuses you be humble in spirit kind and gentle and forgiving sympathetic towards all and wishing them well so that you should be accepted there are many who pretend to be kind gentle and forgiving but inside they are wolves there are many on the outside who look pure but in their hearts they are serpents you cannot be accepted in the presence of the lord unless you are pure um both on the outside and the inside so a a very powerful quote um from the from the second khalif uh saying that you know if we wish to be accepted in the eyes of allah the almighty then uh we sh- our inside and our outside should be the same you know whatever however our feelings are at heart they should be apparent to to everyone as well around us um and we should be pure hearted so islam it lays lays great emphasis on human empathy and service to mankind just as it promotes um just as it promotes the discharging of duties towards god service to humanity is prerequisite for being the best of people um and uh, the fundamental uh you know allah the almighty he says in chapter 2 verse 238 and do not forget to do good to one another so so elaborating on this verse it says that you will remain the best as long as you are service minded you promote good and promote the welfare of society and if you fail to do this you no longer have a right to boast of the superiority of islam and the muslim ummah and the fundamental fundamental qualities that we must all acquire to serve mankind or to develop a passion to serve mankind our love for humanity kindness in our hearts for others uh, a charitable disposition hu- humility honesty a thirst for knowledge a desire to share knowledge with others and a constant desire to strive in the cause of allah by doing good and the teachings of the holy quran and the example of the holy prophet peace be upon him they direct us on how best to serve mankind um and anything else uh, you want to add to this uh, brother willie well, i i just wanted to say that i mean kindness to others is something that is uh, very basic and intrinsic uh within islamic teachings and uh, it's something that um, we are constantly reminded to observe and uh, we in the ahli community are able to discharge what we consider to be an obligation to others uh, in terms of kindness in so many different ways um and uh, there's so many activities that uh, we are able to engage in 
in order to show that uh, element of uh, kindness to others. Uh, within the community, for instance, uh, I know uh, the elders uh, of the community and also the uh, the community at large um, devotes uh, a lot of effort in uh, showing solidarity to those uh, elderly who are not able to leave their homes or um, uh, do not have anybody to talk to. Um, or to be engaged with, uh, they are sent uh, uh, fruit baskets and uh, um, they are delivered in a very personal fashion. Um, so that's uh, a form of kindness that is exhibited within the community. But then when we go outside, it's then uh, demonstrated in other words, in other ways. But uh, that's something that I'm sure we can cover uh, later on because uh, we have an important guest on hold. It's uh, Lynn Misner. Lynn is the chief executive and founder of Small Acts of Kindness. And uh, Lynn, if you can just bear with me so I can run through uh, your introduction. The charity that uh, you're the chief executive of uh, aims to reduce loneliness and isolation for older people with uh, particular interest in those who are cold in their home. Uh, the charity connects communities with kindness. So it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much for inviting me. Have I got your introduction correct? Do you want to make any corrections? You have indeed. Yes, right. it's very correct. Yes, so uh, we, we have a very good producer and researcher, uh, I'm pleased to say. Uh, very much yes. so. Okay, uh, let's, so let's start. I mean, can you tell us a bit uh, about... Uh, this charity uh, and what your role and uh, what is the focus of uh, the charity this this winter? Thank you. Yes. Well, as you as you correctly said, small acts of kindness. Our aim is to reduce loneliness and isolation for older people, and uh, we have a particular interest in reaching older people who are cold in their home. Uh, this winter particularly, uh, with uh, ever-rising costs of energy and increases to the cost of living, uh, being cold is, is something all of us are thinking about, but for many older people whose incomes are very limited, uh, this winter has become particularly uh, a difficult one to try and keep warm and to make sure that they have enough money to uh, eat as well. And our, our main work over the winter time is to uh, source, pack and distribute uh, warm in winter gift bags, which mm -hmm. are gift bags that contain essential items that help older people keep warm. So they have a, a blanket, hat, gloves, uh, some hot drinks, a mug, some soup and some porridge. But also we're really mindful that for a lot of older people uh, who are perhaps not as uh, digitally literate as we are uh, and who don't have uh, digital access, finding information about support and services uh, and activities in your community can be really difficult. So we also include an information pack that signposts people to help and support and hopefully uh, the combination of those two things, a, a bag of gifts that uh, help people keep warm and information about how to perhaps get extra help can be make a huge difference. 
Mm. So these provisions, like you're talking about um, hats and stuff, is it just uh, given on a regular basis or just a one-off every winter? That's a really good question. So in the past, uh, the majority of our our guests have been a one-off to somebody who has requested. And just to give you an idea of the number, we work across Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire only at the moment. Mm -hmm. And this winter so far, we've distributed 8,500 bags like that. 8,500? Yes. Oh, that's enormous number. So it's yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge, huge challenge. But this year we've been very fortunate. We've got some fantastic partnerships, and one of them, um, a local estate agency, have in fact been in touch with everybody uh, who has requested a bag on an individual basis previously, mm. and we've been able to uh, get bags out to people who've had one in the past as well. Mm. What made you start this charity? That's a really good question. Mm. Um, were you bored? <laughs> no, but I was cold. Uh-huh. Um, uh, in January 2015, uh, so sort of around this time of year, there was a, a very cold snap, similar to the one that we had a couple of weeks ago, and my central heating broke down, and it took British Gas about four or five days to repair it. And during that time, there was an article in the national press about the impact of the cold on older people Uh, and how many have to choose between heating and eating. And I think, if I'm being really honest, had I not been so cold myself, I might have just read it and moved on, but we were freezing. And I started to do a bit of uh, internet searching as to what happens to older people when they're cold and and how you can prevent uh, Mm -hmm. the, the impact of it. So... If you're cold and you're you're older, you're more at risk of your blood pressure going up, which puts you at risk of a stroke or a heart attack or a fall. Um, but very simple advice, so to wrap up in a blanket, protect your extremities with a hat and gloves, and to have hot drinks can really significantly reduce that risk. Mm. So I had the mad idea to put together some gift bags that had those essential items in them. And I reached out to people that I knew in the community to help me source and fund the project initially. And we packed 50 bags. And it, that was eight years, eight years this January. Uh, and in that time, we've reached, up until this year, we've reached over 60,000 older people. 60,000? Yes. Right. So how, how, do the, how do you identify these people? How do you find out about these people? The main way we identify, there are two ways somebody can be referred, either through an organisation who knows uh, that they need some extra help or support, and that can be a really wide range. We've got over 120 community partner organisations, and Mm -hmm. that can be from the police and the fire service to small groups, the meeting community spaces and places of worship, things like that. And... uh, uh, the, uh, that's the majority of our gift bags are distributed through third-party organisations. But uh, an ever-growing number, and this year it's already over 500, are people who contact us directly, uh, either themselves or their family or their friends or their neighbours. And mm. when that happens, we uh, ask an individual volunteer to go out and to deliver the gift bag. And we also work with the police and the fire service to deliver those bags so that we can get them out as quickly as we can. 
And do you advertise, uh, um, or do you have a website? How do people? We have a website, um, Mm -hmm. which is smallactsofkindness.co.uk. We certainly we're we're very active on social media. We go out a lot to events, uh, and it's nice to talk on on shows like this and Mm. to tell people about what we do. And it is very much, I think, a word of mouth. Uh, because the best people who know the most vulnerable in their community are people themselves who, who live there and, and who know who lives around them. Mm. So you, you say that you are currently working in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. Do you expect to expand this to the rest of the country? I'd love to expand to the mm-hmm. rest of the country. This is by no means a problem uh, that is unique to those counties. Uh, but if I'm being really honest, it comes down to funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to operate across those two counties alone, we need to uh, generate uh, donations close to probably £300,000 a year. Mm. Uh, so obviously to, to work in other areas, we need to be able to support that financially but the demand is absolutely uh, everywhere right so um, we decided to call you because we were discussing this uh, this story about kindness having unexpected positive consequences mm. um, now acts of kindness especially ones that are unexpected uh, by the recipient can make someone's day uh, why is that people underestimate their in, in, uh, their impact? I suppose. I suppose. Why don't oh, more people indulge in this kind of activity? Well, when I when when that that's from a question point of view, that's a, it's a really good one because I think there's two parts to that. Um, I think what is always lovely is when somebody does something unexpected, uh, and when it's for older people, and we see this day in day out. I think they start to feel that they're a very hidden part of the community. And so an act of kindness, somebody reaching out, giving a gift, um, makes you feel very, very different. Uh, And in terms of underestimating it, well, I think that a lot of people do an act of kindness but don't really think uh, that they're, they're, they're not actively doing it. They're just doing it because they aren't, it's part of their life. Mm. Uh, and for the recipient, they don't always necessarily see it in a... So what we do is very proactive, and it's very tangible. Mm. Um, but I think that a lot of acts of kindness are very spontaneous, you know, from picking up someone shopping or, or helping somebody to do something that they perhaps couldn't do. It's very uh, innate, and you, you just do it. Hmm. Um, but I think for uh, the work that we do, it's very much the unexpected side of it. Uh, that, and the fact that somebody cares, we see that a lot. We have uh, feedback cards in every single one of our gift bags, and we get a very large percentage of them back. And time and time again, the, the comments are that people were really taken aback that somebody cared about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that they felt very forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I think it, it, it's very circular as well. That it has benefits for the volunteers who pack the bags. That they're able to do something positive to help society and their community. So their act of kindness is packing the bag itself. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not just for the recipient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, my my colleague has has uh, some questions as well for you. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, all for me for the time being. All right. Uh, thank so you. If you don't mind. No, of course. Uh, th- thank thank you. you. Thank you for joining us this morning, um, uh, Lynn. Um, I I wanted to ask you uh, what it is that prevents or makes people hesitant to be kind. Hmm. And you, you obviously think that people are hesitant to be kind. Um, I suppose if you think that people are hesitant to be kind, maybe they're worried about the response that they are going to receive uh, when they are kind. But in our experience, uh, people can't do enough kindness. We we have hundreds of volunteers in our volunteer family who help to pack our gift bags who go out in all weathers delivering them and I think it's a very selfless gesture that that people are making um, perhaps the hesitancy sometimes comes from not knowing what the outcome will be and how it be received and for example you know you gave your own example uh, you know you you started this yourself initiative. Mm. Uh, were you yourself hesitant in the beginning or how was it from your own personal experience, uh, you know, just reaching out to the community and helping? What was your exp- own experience in that regard? Yeah, I, I'm a bit... No, I wasn't... I'm not hesitant at all. I, I, I'm Thankfully, that that's not something that I... I is in my sort of thinking. Mm, um, perhaps mm. I'm the opposite. I always just assume everything will be fine and we'll find a solution um but i think that it's it's sometimes very easy to forget uh, and and i can certainly say that there are times where we're very very busy uh to forget about the actual impact of what you do and get caught up in the moment of doing it um and i think we all need to perhaps take some time to stop and think about how our lives interact uh with other people um, and the impact that they that, that what you do has on other people, so something very small can make a very big difference. If it's unexpected, something that you perhaps need or that you were wanting to do, and somebody else helps and makes that happen. Uh, so we received an email on Christmas Day uh, from mm. somebody who knew us through their work, but wrote in a personal capacity. Um, about their, their, they describe their parents as being very frail and elderly, uh, living in supported living uh, flats. Um, and they were saying, they wrote to say that um, the, their mother was suffering from dementia, but their father um, was really very unhappy having had to move. Uh, and this is what they wrote. They said, but today your kind gift to them both lifted his soul. He smiled and for the first time in a long while. Um, now, the cynical might attribute that to a free gift, but I feel it was much more than that. Um, uh, he expects my sister and I to give him and mum a gift, but here strangers cared enough to give. And for that smile, I thank you and your team. And I think that really sums up what, uh, acts of kindness can do to somebody in a very unexpected way. You think you're giving them a gift, but actually it's the fact that somebody cares enough to do that for you that makes the difference. 
And and you know this just hearing that it sounds so uplifting mm. that you know it really I think if someone was to do do an act of kindness or maybe someone's day was wasn't going so well if they were to hear an incident like that or you know I I think that would just make their day to be honest right yeah I I, I think you're right I think what I would say to people is don't be hesitant something very small can make a huge difference and so many people are very lonely and very isolated and even saying good morning to them or if you have a, a neighbor. Uh, to knock on their door and to say, and I'm going to the shop, do you need anything? That can make such a huge difference. Great. It doesn't have to be big or cost money. It's just the, the act of, of being kind and caring. Uh, great. Thank you so much. Uh, just one final question from my side, and I'll pass the mic on uh, to our host, Brother Valid. Um, I, I wanted to ask you uh, if you can also explain some of the initiative which has taken place uh during this winter period for us or, or yeah for for your charity okay so yeah we've had a very busy winter so far uh we've uh, sourced packed and distributed eight and a half thousand warm in winter gift bags we also partner with hertfordshire county council to um pack bags of kindness which go to uh, other groups of vulnerable people across the county. We've packed 3,000 of those. We've wrapped, uh, packed and wrapped 500 boxes of Christmas gifts to older people who would otherwise be on their own over the Christmas period and have no uh, gifts. And we've wrapped uh, 2,000 Christmas presents for older people in care homes who have no uh, relatives or, or friends who would give them a gift. Uh, they'd otherwise be on their own. Um, but such is the demand for the warm in winter bags. Uh, for the first time ever, we're going to pack more in January. We'll be packing a further 3,000 in, in the new year. So, so we've been very busy. <laughs> so these winter bags are, uh, in addition to the 8,500 you've already done? Yes. Yeah. I see. So we, uh, last year we packed. Uh, and distributed 7,000 mm-hmm. warm in winter gift bags. So far this winter, we've packed and distributed 8,500. And uh, subject to being able to source the stock and fund it, we will pack a further 3,000 in January. So I think that's a very big insight into the impact that perhaps some of the, the changes to cost of energy and cost of living are having, that the demand is so high. Do you, do you have a problem in matching uh, income with demand? I think uh, every charity, it's a constant uh, thing that is on your mind. Uh, we are very fortunate that we do have some lovely and, and good supporters, but our costs have gone up 30% from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like everything else, you know, everyone's costs have gone up and ours are no different. Um some of the items that we buy have doubled in price since before COVID. So it is a constant um, need for us to increase our income, to mm. be able to reach the number of people we we need to reach and to be able to increase that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you can always find out more about our fundraising on our website, uh, yes. which is smallactsofkindness.co.uk. 
wonderful. I'm, I'm sure many people would have picked that up. <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> and it would be great if they could also support you because you're doing a wonderful work. Thank and you. Uh, I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you very much for coming on to speak to us. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Have Bye. a nice day. And you too. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So that was Lynn Misner of uh, Small Acts of Kindness uh, talking about uh, uh, her charity and what she's able um, to to do and the fact that she is, is something that had the initiative to start this uh, Small Acts of Kindness charity herself uh, on uh, observing what was needed. So something that uh, needs to be uh, appreciated and applauded. Uh, Imam Taki, is there anything that we want to add? Yes, uh, you know, I just wanted to hear mention as well some of the work which the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is doing as well, especially uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association. Uh, you know, they <coughs> throughout the country they have been uh, giving various gift bags um, to you know the locals and and you know the different care homes. So you know you can check more out on their on their Twitter channel on UK Muslim Youth. Um, and just here, um, I wanted to also mention some of the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as well, on uh, giving charity or helping the vulnerable. Um, so, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, at one place, he said that every act of goodness is charity. And at another place, he said that give charity without delay, for it stands in the way of calamity. And this recording in Tirmidhi. And at also another place, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be the Almighty be upon him, he said that only two persons are worthy of being envied, a person on whom... Allah has bestowed riches and gives him the power to spend in a righteous cause and a person on whom Allah bestows wisdom by which he judges and he teaches and this recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. Furthermore, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him said that I am with the weak and aiding the weak and the poor is the means of reaching Allah the Almighty. And uh, this is... Um, you know, you'll find countless writings of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the Amdiya Muslim community, where he's highlighted how important it is to serve humanity. So I also wanted to read uh, a few quotes from his writings as well. Um, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, on one occasion he said that serving humanity is itself a form of worship of Allah. At another place he said that my state is such that if if someone is in distress, while I am engaged in the obligatory prayer, and I hear their grief, and it is my adherent desire to break the prayer and to help that person and shower, to shower them with as much love as possible. And uh, finally, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further said that to fail to help a brother in their time of need or difficulty is utterly immoral and wrong. Um, so with that, Brother Walid, um, I'll conclude the Islamic perspective and I'll hand the mic on to you. Thank you very much. I think uh, that brings us nicely to the close of that particular item and also uh, to the close of, of this uh, program. Uh, and uh, before we finally do close, let me just uh, offer a word of thanks to those people who have been involved 
in the production of this uh, broadcast. Our producer, uh, Nergis Nasser, her researchers, Hena Ahmed, Neha Latif, and Salia Bukhtiar, they're all uh, deserving of our gratitude and our thanks, as is uh, Mr. Muhammad Shavik, our uh, intrepid uh, engineer, making sure that things run smoothly as far as the technical side of this broadcast is concerned. And uh, we must not forget uh, uh, rendering uh, our thanks to our guests uh, that uh, contributed to the show. Dr. Erin Leonard spoke to us uh, beforehand, and uh, uh, we shared her thoughts uh, during the first part of the pro- of the program when we looked at uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, and uh, Dr. Erin Leonard, if you did not uh, pick it up uh, earlier, is a practicing psychotherapist. Um, And later on during the course of this uh, program, we also spoke to Lynn Misner. Uh, She came on to the show and uh, she was able to give us um, some insight into this particular uh, item that we were discussing about kindness because uh, she is the chief executive and founder of Small Acts of Kindness that uh, uh, is uh, mainly concerned with helping the elderly, and uh, those who are cold in the home. So uh, we had a good uh, couple of uh, experts to help us understand the uh, topics that uh, we were addressing. So our gratitude to them for coming on. Thank you to our listeners for uh, uh, taking the time to listen to us, including those who have texted us from the north. Was it Scotland? Yes, Scotland. It was Scotland. I hope they have appreciated this broadcast and I hope they can uh, send some feedback uh, to uh, uh, Imam Tokir as to how we've done and where our improvements lie. (laughs) But uh, more on how well we've done, I hope, (laughs) rather than our improvements. But we we will, of course, look forward to... Uh, both uh, sides of uh, uh, their um, uh, their un- well their appreciation of the project of the of the program so that we can do uh, also uh, uh, continue with the with the positive aspects of our broadcast and also improve on things that we haven't done perhaps so well anyway so uh, thanks to everyone do join us again from uh, uh, 7 to 9 on The Breakfast Show, Monday to Friday. So until then, it's uh, Salaam from both myself and Imam Tokyit and Reed. There will be a short interlude after that. There will be the news. Salaam